Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2, please. 1 Samuel chapter 2. We want to remind ourselves of the importance that's commanded in the Bible to train our children. And I've tried to reduce that training to something that you can remember easily. The first commandment from the Word of God is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The most important thing you can ever teach your child is the love of God. Nothing else comes even close. If you must neglect the other to exalt that, go ahead and do so. Because that has to be taught. The second commandment is to love thy neighbor as thyself. To be a humble servant. Because the greatest in the kingdom of heaven are humble servants. So the second thing we want to teach are to love neighbors as our children already so well love themselves. The third thing we want to teach and what we want to consider today is the rule of your spirit. We have a spirit within us that wants to speak many times when it shouldn't, that wants to speak in a way, many times in a way that's not pleasing to the Lord or man. We want to rule that spirit. We have a spirit spirit that wants to get angry, a spirit that wants to hate, a spirit that tends toward foolishness. We want to rule that spirit so that we don't do those things. And you should be able to get your hands around that. We want to teach our children to love the Lord their God, to love their neighbor as themselves, and to rule their spirits. I started off this second service by reading two verses from 1 Kings chapter 5 about Hiram, the king of Tyre. And I hope that you enjoyed those words, that Hiram, who was ever a lover of David, rejoiced in the Lord Jehovah to see Solomon's wisdom and discretion as he wrote him a letter. Let me remind you about that arrangement between David and Hiram. That great temple that Solomon built for the glory of God, with the materials that David had gathered, was built upon wood, that was floated down by Hiram out of Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon, and the wood, and the craftsmen, and the hewers of stone were sent by Hiram to help Solomon build that house. And it was because a father and a son had a great reputation in his eyes, and he worshipped the God of heaven. I love it when a pagan admits that the Jehovah of Israel was the true God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, we have another man under consideration. Verse 26. And the child Samuel grew on. We're talking about you young people and you children growing. The child first grows in the mother's womb, and then he grows outside that womb. And we want to form that growth in one direction. This direction. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. This is what we want for our children. We want to measure our children not by their degrees, not by their income, not by their athletic prowess. We want to measure our children by the favor of God and the favor of good men. What is their reputation in heaven? And what is their reputation among saints? This is most important. This is what we want. This is a great son. 
This is a great daughter. What does God think of them? And what do other good men and women think of them? When their name is spoken. And I don't mean their last name. Because that's not the purpose of this preaching. I mean their first name. That individual name that is unique to them alone. When that is spoken, what comes to people's minds? Is it things that please God? Is it things that please men? Or is it things that disappoint both? How do we know what pleases God? It's contained in the Bible. Does the person act like the Lord Jesus Christ? Does our child act like Jesus Christ would act in that situation? Does he love God first and love others second and rule his spirit? Let's have children like Samuel. And though it's a boy's name, girls, you should want to be a girl or a young woman or a woman like Samuel was. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Oh, for more Samuels. For more Samuels. That poor woman Hannah, the mother of Samuel, she had to put up with an adversary in her own house. Peninnah, the other wife. Peninnah had more children first. And Hannah had none. But the Lord gave Hannah Samuel. And Samuel grew on. Not just in favor of a mother, but in favor of God and men. What would you rather have? The earlier children of Peninnah or a Samuel? Lord, give us Samuels. Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon, who I've already spoken about, wrote these words. And he said in verse 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. There is Solomon seeking the same kind of a son. This is Solomon's instruction to his boy. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. You keep mercy and truth together always. And bind them about thy neck. Don't ever forget them. Tie tie them around your neck. Using a metaphor, we tie things around our neck that we don't want to lose that are going to go with us everywhere. And he said, write them upon the table of thine heart. Because it is out of the heart that comes our spirit. And our heart better be controlled by two things. Truth. There's a God in heaven. And I'm going to love Him with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm going to obey Him and do what He has said. I will dare to be a Daniel and I will dare to stand alone. And mercy. I will love others. I will overlook their faults. I will condescend to men of low estate. I will serve them. I will help them. Let mercy and truth be upon thine heart. So shalt thou find favor. This is the exact way you find favor in the sight of God and men. Some of you young people, you do not love the Lord enough. You do not love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so you are not in the favor of God. And some of you love yourselves more than others. You are more interested in your life. You talk about your things more than others. You love yourself more than others. And so you do not have mercy in your life. You do not have the love of neighbor in your life. But if we get these things into our lives, we can rule our spirits. Our spirits should only come forth in two directions. 
The God of heaven and the service of others. The God of heaven and the service of others. And like it was said earlier, a young man wanting to teach his son, I am third. God is first, others are second, and I'm last. I am third. May the Lord help us in that direction. This is a great child. Who cares about their report card? Who cares about the number of seconds it took them to run the 400 meters? Who cares about the square footage of the house they live in? What matters is, is God approved of them? Does God love them? Are they a delight to the God of heaven? And do they serve and help others? Are they a true Christian servant like the Lord Jesus Christ was? And do they rule their spirit so that the only thing that ever comes out of their life is truth and mercy? What a wonderful combination. The Lord Jesus Christ, in Him, those two things are kissed together. They're met together. The perfect balance of truth and mercy. Lord, help us. Help us. Look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. You know where I'm going. Some of you should. It's the last verse. It's verse 52. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. There's the Lord Jesus Christ. We've had Samuel. We've had Solomon's son. We've had the Lord Jesus Christ growing in favor with God and man. Parents. Parents. We cannot get consumed with feeding them a nutritious diet. Balanced meals three times a day. Make sure they have balanced religion three times a day. Make sure they have mercy and truth every day. That's more important. Rather than emphasizing taking them to soccer or basketball or baseball or any other balls, make sure that we are teaching them the love of God, the love of neighbor, and ruling their spirit. Because that will make them great in the sight of the Lord, like the Lord Jesus Christ was, like Samuel was. That must be our emphasis. And do you know, I could almost quit already. Because if you've heard me so far, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to make the emphasis of what you do with your children, the love of God, the love of neighbor, and ruling their spirit. Because that's what I want you to get your hands around, your mental hands, and your passionate hands of your heart, and say, those are the three things I really need to teach my children. Because that is the most important. Turn to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Our society is obsessed with sports. They're obsessed with a lot of things, but one of the things they're obsessed with is sports. Sports heroes are lifted up to our young men as great role models. You know, a young man rejoices in his strength, and the Bible tells us that. And God gifts some men to be exceedingly coordinated and very strong. Their bodies are freaks of nature. They are not ordinary. You need to meet a real athlete. They're exceptional. And those young men are put up as the stars of our society. So that the rest of the planetary system looks at them like little gods. Some of them know how to rule their spirit, but do you know what? It's a shame today 
that so many of them don't know how to rule their spirit. They mouth off. They get in trouble with their coaches. They rail on other players. They have no respect for authority because that strength has gone to their head. Most athletes know how to rule their spirits because the ones that are not exceptionally gifted by God have to make up for that incremental difference by applied effort and not cheating. They rule their spirits. And you know the Apostle Paul is going to back me up on this, don't you? A man that is going to be a master in any athletic competition or win the crown is temperate in all things. means he knows how to discipline himself. But look at Proverbs chapter 16. Let's talk about a great young man or a great young woman. 16 and verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. There is a word missing in the second clause. It's an elliptical deduction, reduction of that verse. The word is in the first clause. So he doesn't have to repeat it. This is how the Lord writes the book of Proverbs. The word better is in the first clause, and it's implied in the second clause. We have two comparisons being made. The man that is slow to anger is better than a mighty man. The man that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. You can imagine in the days of Israel when they would turn on the television and watch what had happened in the military that some man had taken a city by himself. I mean, let's say it's Jonathan. You know, they dropped Jonathan in a parachute into the middle of a city. He was airborne, Israel. And when he dropped into the city, he took down the whole city with a sword. Did he ever do anything like that? Did Jonathan ever do something like that? Yes, he did. He once saw a garrison of Philistines, and he had his armor bearer with him, and he said, those Philistines up there at the top of that cliff, God's given them to us. Are you ready to go with me? Wherever you go, I'll go, the armor bearer said. Jonathan said, well, let's climb up and have some fun. So there Jonathan climbs up the face of a cliff. He climbs up the face of a cliff with the Philistines at the top, and he killed 20, the Bible tells us all these details, He killed 20 of the Philistines in about a half acre of ground. He's got his sword out and he's having a good morning. And all of a sudden the whole earth starts trembling. We can read about this in the Bible. Young men. See, Jonathan wasn't afraid of anything. But he could take a city, he could take a garrison on by himself. But let me tell you something. All of you children, all of you young men, can you rule your spirit? When your mother tells you to do something that you don't want to do, can you still smile and say, yes, ma'am, and do it cheerfully? You're greater than the man that can take a city. Do you all know what I'm talking about, you that are old enough to understand? When you're asked to do something that you don't want to do, the feeling that rises up, how long does it take to rise up inside you? you have to think about it. Does it rise up in one second? That is your spirit. And that is your greatest enemy. That is your greatest enemy. That's what makes, that is the difference between success and failure in life. That is the difference between success and failure with the Lord. The man that can rule that spirit and crush it down and keep it in its place is greater than a man that can take a city. 
when you see someone that can't stop this, they have a fire inside them that they can't control. That's why they're called fools in the Bible. Because this has to run because the spirit inside of them is just running wild. It's never been locked down, chained down, and restrained. Ruling your spirit. You know how that anger, does it take long? Does it work itself up over a few hours after someone offends you? Or does it happen in one second of time? He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. If you can slow that thing down so that it doesn't get out of control and come flying up, you are great. And that's what we need to teach our children. You all know about that feeling, don't you? Yes. When I would work as hard as I could in a project for the president of the Michigan National Bank of Detroit and go in and lay it on his desk, and if he criticized that thing, I would have hell inside me. And I know my face was falling because I'm one of those unlucky types that if they got a problem here, it's all over this. And I'm trying to stand there and be submissive, respectful, and honoring. And I'm burning inside. And I often blew it. I know. I have two parents here. They know it too. It comes flying up. But do you know who a great and a mighty man is? A man who can rule that spirit. Somebody that gets ticked off easily, they are the weakest of all men. The weakest of all men. They're little ladies. Because great men all rule their spirits and control that fury that is inside of them that is their enemy. Fury doesn't do any good. You know, the exceptional times when fury is an asset we're not even going to deal with because it is a waste of our time. The Bible says to rule it, not to use it. And this is a wonderful verse. Young men, do you want to be great? He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit is better than he that taketh a city. Forget being a military hero. Forget being an athletic hero. Forget being an academic champion. Rule your spirit. Can you forgive somebody when they ask you to forgive them and you're not ready to? Oh, do you know what that means? Have you ever felt that one? When somebody says, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And you're not ready to forgive them. Can you go ahead and forgive them anyway? When your parents tell you you're wrong and you know you should say I'm sorry, but you can't say it, can you go ahead and say it anyway? That's ruling your spirit. When your parents say it's time to get up, but everything else in your body says it's time to stay in bed, are you able to rule your spirit? When you're discouraged, cast down, or angry, and your parents said, say to you, what are you thinking? Nothing. You're lying. Rule your spirit and say something. Rule your spirit. And parents, that's what we need to teach. You know, you can start teaching a child to rule his spirit just a couple of weeks after they're born because you can start setting their schedule instead of them setting your schedule. You can start teaching them how to rule their spirit. They do not need to eat 24-7. No one's never needed to eat 24-7. So you can establish a schedule for them and help them learn to rule their spirit. You know, hunger is just part of your spirit. And they're not really hungry. They just like all the attention because they're incredibly selfish. Children are born incredibly selfish and want you 100%. 
100% of the time. And they want 100% of you. If you try to share you with another child, they will get angry. Because they're selfish. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing natural about it. Except if you use the word natural as describing the sin nature. You can start right off the bat. You know, and you can keep that right up. You know, when a child is sick, does that mean they get to whine and cry? Sickness doesn't mean you get to cry and whine. Because you know what? We're going to be sick for the rest of our lives. And we don't get to go around crying and whining about it. We, we can show extra pity. We can show mercy. We can give extra comfort to a child that is sick, but we don't have to put up with them crying and whining. The excuse that they're sick is ridiculous. You can still teach them to bear with it. The rest of their life is going to be that way. We send children into the world that don't know how to rule their spirits. You know, children today have never ruled their spirits. If they want something, they get it today. They pull out a piece of plastic and flash it and buy it. Everyone's in debt to the hilt. They can't wait at all for anything. They can't rule their spirits. They fly off the handle and expect it to be justified. They want a pill for everything instead of learning to rule their spirit. They want antidepressants instead of ruling their spirit. They want drugs for ADHD instead of ruling their spirit. I can help all those illnesses and so can you. You can help it with a stick. And it would save a lot of money. And the child would be happier. And he'd be cured in a week. You say, well, once in a while there's chemical problems. Once in a while is something that no teacher ever deals with because once in a while is your imagination. Once in a while, even if it's true, is not worth talking about. The general rule is children can be taught reading, writing, and arithmetic to the tune of a hickory stick. They don't need drugs. Chapter 25 in this book, Proverbs 25 and verse 28. Oh, for a man that can rule his spirit. You say, I've got a high-spirited child. Well, that means the Lord is asking extra from you as a result of this sermon. That's all that it means. And you know what? You can thank the Lord for your high-spirited child because it's a good thing. You can't create spirit. And if God's created spirit and jammed it inside one of the bodies of your children, thank the God of heaven that it's there and pray for mercy as you hold on for the ride. But you can teach him to rule it. Because you, you know what? The Lord gives him to you when he's real small. The Lord gives him to you when he's small, not when he's 18 years old and busting out with testosterone, when he could break you over his knee and toss you like kindling into the fireplace. You know, the Lord gives him to you when he's small. So start when they're young and teach them to rule their spirit. You don't have a right to get angry. You don't have a right to get depressed. You don't have a right to be quiet when I ask you to answer me. Obey me. 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You know, in the time that this proverb was written, every city had to have substantial walls. Some would have double walls. Some would have moats. But they had to have walls to protect themselves from an enemy. You know, no enemy could come into a city on a moment's notice if you had walls up, but a city without walls is 
and that it's broken down, anyone can take it. Just walk in and take it. And if you ever met a man that can't rule his spirit, he just flies off the handle about anything. He's out of control. He can't restrain this when he ought to. He gets angry when he shouldn't. He's rebellious. He's dysfunctional. He is unconventional. And he causes trouble wherever he goes because he hasn't learned to rule his spirit. It's just like this right here. What a difference. In one proverb, it's the man who can take a city. The man who rules his spirit is greater than him. And then in the other proverb, a man who can't rule his spirit is just like a broken down city. Any little thing can touch him off. Any little thing can take over his life. When a person gets angry, they get out of control. Anger's worthless for thinking. Well, we've got to teach our children these things. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Children, do you know how to slow down? Parents, when was the last time you said, slow down? My children, ever heard those words? Slow down. Let's think through the whole situation. Let's give every benefit of the doubt to that party. Did you hear everything? Are you sure that's all the facts? Slow down. Slow down. You know, some of us don't like slowing down, do we? Do you have a reaction in one second? You know what the Bible says? Slow down. Just slowing down is a tremendous, wonderful advantage. Look at what it says in James 1.19. Wherefore? James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, I'm the opposite of that verse by nature. I'm swift to speak, swift to wrath, and slow to hear. Anybody else in here say amen? amen? By nature? That's not ruling our spirit. Here is wisdom from the Word of God. This is what we need to teach our children. Don't let them get angry quickly. Tell them to slow down. What are you getting angry for? And it's going to start when they're small. They're going to get angry at their siblings. They're going to get angry at you. And you tell them to slow down. What are you getting angry for? You don't know all the circumstances. You don't have a right to be angry right now. That anger inside of you right now is wrong. Teach them to get a hold of that anger and crush it. If you don't get it crushed when they're young, it's going to bite you bad when they're older. I love the wisdom of God's Word. Let every man be swift to hear. Did you listen to the whole story before you flew off the handle? No, most of us haven't. We just fly off. And we, come, we, we leap to a conclusion based on partial information, but we go to full blast in one second. And the Lord says, slow down. Slow down. That's what we need to teach our children. While we're in the book of James... There's so many verses, and we're, you know, we're, we don't have very much time here at all. But chapter 3 and verse 2, it says this, because let's tie in the tongue. The tongue is one of the best indicators if you've got a spirit ruled. Or you say, well, I'm a quiet person. Oh, really? Okay, you're a quiet person. That means we just need to wait longer to have your spirit come out. But it will come out. Even quiet. Uh, you know, there's some quiet people in here, but when, when it does finally leak out, oh, it is battery acid. Right in your face. It's a knife. It slices. It's terrible. And I, I, don't, I don't want to look at anybody. 
You know, I'll just plainly admit, mine comes out in one nanosecond. If it's going to come out, it comes out right then and there. Some of you, you know, you can look at me and make fun of me, and you make fun of all the other ones in this assembly that get mad quickly, but the fire still burns. And it burns low and long, and by the time it finally releases the pressure that it's built up, it's as bad or worse than anything we do to people. Uh, and, all, and all that means is we've all got the problem. So we need to deal with all of our children. And if you have one that's quiet, don't let that deceive you into thinking they don't have to rule their spirit. I wish I could preach in shades. Because uh, some of you I don't even want to look at. We're all, you know what? We're all the same. We're all the same. And we need to rule our spirits. You can be, you can start with a child by teaching them your schedule. Let, don't let them teach, teach you their schedule. That's what they want to do. And you know what their schedule is. It's 24-7. I want devoted 24-7 attention. And a child doesn't need that. Even if a child's sick, and I've mentioned these things, they don't need to cry and whine. We give them extra attention. We give them extra food. We let them stay in bed. We do things for them. However, they don't need to cry and whine about it because that is ruling their spirit. That doesn't make them feel better to cry and whine. And if you let them cry and whine when they're young, they're going to cry and whine when they get older, and you're going to have a crier and a whiner on your hands. And we don't want that. Do you keep your children seated at meals? Or do they get to run around like little crazies while you're trying to have a meal? Keep them in their chair. They can sit there. They don't know any different unless you let them run around wild. When you have devotions, do you make them sit? Do you make them sit in church? Do you understand that children only have to go to the bathroom half as many times as they tell you? Do you understand that or not? Their bladder is twice as large as they would put on a test. They only have to cough half as many times as they tell you. It's an attention-getting device or a diversion to get out of your presence. Have you figured that out yet or not? You know, learn, teach them to rule their spirits. You know, the next rest stop will stop, kids. <laughs> we'll stop at the next rest stop. You say, well, what if they really have to go? Well, give them a tube of crackers. No, the whole point is teach them to rule their spirit. Teach them to rule their spirit. Save praise and rewards for when a job is finished. Don't jump in and start praising a child before they even get really going on the job. Make the reward at the end. That's teach them to rule their spirit. Can we have some of that surprise now, Daddy? Halfway through the job. No, let's finish the job. Teach them that until the job is done, you don't really deserve the reward. And you can do this with very small children. Rebuke and correct moodiness or depression. You do not have a right to your moods. Do you know how we all think that way? Because that is such a powerful spirit. We, we, we think we have a right to be depressed. We, we think we have a right to be discouraged around others. But when we are depressed or discouraged around others, we are hurting other people because we are selfish. And that is ruling your spirit just as much as ruling this. When you are silent, when your family is looking for your cheerfulness, when they're looking for your words of comfort, when they're looking for daddy's okay, mommy's okay, and you don't give them that because you're in a depression, it is just as bad as flying off the handle and calling them names. You are being selfish and you're hurting others. 
Rule your spirit. And we need to teach children that. They don't have a right to mope around. Make them participate in the family. Cheerfulness in the Bible is not an option. Cheerfulness is a commandment. You choose to be cheerful. Happiness is a choice. It's not a function of circumstances. Unless you don't know how to rule your spirit, then it's a function of circumstances. If you've learned how to rule your spirit, you can choose to be happy in any set of circumstances. You know, you can teach a child to love any kind of food. All it takes is a little time. If they don't want to eat it today, serve it to them tomorrow. If they don't want to eat it then, they'll love it on the second day. It works. You know, you say, well, that's being so cruel to make a child eat something they don't want to eat. Well, give them one thing. I think some other families in here have done the same thing. You can give, it, you can give a family one thing. You can have one thing you don't like. One thing, that's it. Everything else, eat it now while it's warm. <laughs> because this, these peas two days old are not as good as they are right now. You know, these are just little... The Bible taught us the rule. All we're doing right now is thinking about some ways to put it into practice. How do we teach our children to rule their spirits? They do not have a right to get angry. They don't have a right to be moody. They don't have a right not to answer the question, what are you thinking about? And children, I am begging you, and young people, open up and say it. Don't be so rebellious. You are guaranteed to be a failure in life if you cannot talk. You are going to drive people crazy your entire life. They're not going to want to be around you because you are too much work for them. Let it out. Yes, you're afraid of being made fun of. Yes, you're afraid of saying something stupid. Yes, you're afraid of because you don't want your parents to know that you're thinking some, some things that are a little bit off the course that they expect you to be on. Go ahead and get it out there where you can deal with it. Even during discipline, a child should rule his crying. When you're spanking your child, that doesn't give them permission to cut loose with their voice. You can control that. All you have to do is say, Johnny, I'm going to give you five stripes. If you cry, I'm going to give you ten. Rule your spirit. Are you smiling because you never heard the word five, Philip? You know, you can, you know, when we're being, when we're being spanked, our spirit is kind of upset. And if we can learn to rule it right then, there's one of the moments where it's under great stress. But if you can teach them, listen, if you cut loose, you know, there's, there's a difference between whimpering because you're taking a spanking and screaming in rebellion at the top of your lungs and thrashing all over the room. You, you all understand that difference. And you can't let them do the latter. Mom used to sit on me before she'd bring the club to bear. She'd, get, she'd have legs wrapped around me. She was using wrestler holds. I never knew they taught in Canadian high school. <laughs> to hold me down from thrashing. Because right then, that spirit is under stress. And if you can teach that spirit, you do not have a right to cry out all the time and scream like that and thrash around. Control yourself from a double it.
Depression is generally not an illness. It's a selfish spirit. Don't let your children be depressed. Get them out of their room. Take the door off the hinges if they want to lock themselves in there all the time and be depressed. Bring them back to the family. Don't let them skip the family dinner just because they think they're in a bad mood and they've had a tough day. Make them participate in the family because it's going to cost them the rest of their life if they try to hide when they're depressed. You can't, you can't do that in the real world. And don't create a make-believe world at home. Crush anger. Don't let your children get angry. There's nothing in their little lives worth getting angry over. Nothing. So try to get rid of anger in your children because anger does not work the righteousness of God. You know, I already gave you an illustration of teaching children the things at the table are off limits. You can start that so young that all you say is, no, you may not touch that thing at the table and put it within their reach. And I went through all that with you. That is just a simple, simple little thing that you can do and teach them to rule their spirits. Because do you know what? Do you know what is in their spirits? The same one in ours. If it's off limits, it's the most desirable thing on the table. If it's off limits in the Garden of Eden, it's the most desirable tree of all. Get Put it right there in front of them. And I showed you, and all of you know it to be true if you've ever tried anything like it, about how they will sneak that hand out there to touch it because it is the most powerful draw they've ever had in their lives because you said don't touch it. But you know what? If you can teach them to rule their spirit on that, you don't have to have as many safety devices around your house like these modern moms think that you need because you've taught them to rule their spirit and that when daddy says, no, you don't go in that room, you don't touch that, and you don't go there, they know it. They know the last time they tried it that they met somebody they didn't know lived at that address. You know, teach your children to sit and listen to adult conversations. You know what happens inside a child when adults are talking and they're sitting there in the middle of those adults and they're not being addressed or talked to? There's a fire that burns inside of them. It grabs every muscle and sinew of their bodies. They're twitching. They're twitching with energy. They want to speak. They want to run. They want to play. They want to poke. If, there's some, if Paul's near me, I'm poking him, punching him, teasing him. And you've seen all that. Make them sit there and listen while adults talk. All of our grandparents understood this. It's a shame in our generation. Teach them to rule their spirit. They don't have to be the center of attention. They don't have to be the center of the conversation. Children should never be allowed to talk back to their parents. Don't ever let your children talk back to you. Crush it. And you'll teach them to rule their spirit. Because that spirit wants to say something. Don't ever let them talk to you in a snotty, saucy, Short, angry, frivolous, disrespectful way. They should know from little ages that is fatal to even think about doing it. And you can teach them when they're very young not to do that. And if you will teach your oldest children not to do that, all the little ones will grow up watching their big hero older brothers treat dad a certain way. They will treat dad that way. Because you started with the older ones. Never let them talk back. I'll leave the punishment up to your imagination. Complaining. You know why we complain? Because we have a selfish spirit that expects God to give us more. We have a selfish spirit that expects others to give us more. Crush complaining. Complaining is a spirit out of control. 
Complaining is a spirit that is not thinking. You know, we had a brother, we had a brother pray already today, this, this service. How can Amer- an American ever complain? How can a Christian American ever complain? We have the greatest combination of blessings the world has ever seen. Crush that. Because that is part of an evil spirit. And you want your children to grow up ruling their spirit to be in favor with God and men. And those that are in favor with God and men never complain. They never whine. Cut that off. It is unnecessary. It is wrong. It is sinful. The Bible condemns it. Well, I want to stay another hour. Well, why don't we have chocolate ice cream? We just have vanilla. And on and on they go. They're very creative. Do you know where the creativity comes from? The devil from hell. They will find fault with everything possible. And you cannot let a child talk that way. Children should wait until they are asked to speak when they're in the presence of adults. Because they're not very important. And teach them that. Because do you know what the truth is? None of us are very important. The other person is always more important. That's how we teach I am third. Because we're servants to everyone. And you need to teach children that when they're very young. I've already said this, cheerfulness is not an option. It's a command in the Bible. The Bible says the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. Does that mean if you're not cheerful about giving, you should not give? Or does that mean get cheerful and give? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. You know, require that when you tell your children to go do something, they go and do it cheerfully. They don't slam doors. They don't use body language. They don't toss their head. They don't roll their eyes. All those things that are the immediate response of a spirit that doesn't want to do it. You do not allow those things. You do not allow your your children to fight among themselves. Verbally, physically, to ridicule, to hurt. That's that's their spirit. They're not ruling their spirit. They want to put someone else down for the gratification that it gives them. They want to hurt someone else. Crush that. Teach them to love one another. And do not allow that in your presence. Losing a game. Some of you adults, you're hoping that your children do not inherit this. And I say amen with you. When you lose a game or any kind... Any contest or competition, what happens to your spirit? Do we all know that? When we lose at anything, in that spirit that rises up, we want to get sad and make other people miserable around us because we lost. We want to accuse somebody of cheating. It is amazing to watch a basketball game on how someone can get angry at a referee when that referee doesn't call a foul that was done against them but when they have one called, when they have, they don't, they don't get angry. They get angry at the ref when he calls a foul on them. But when that ref calls a foul on someone else, they're patting him on the back. Now, is that because the ref was so bad, or is that because you were involved negatively in one call and positively in another? It's all in here. It's the spirit. How do you respond to losing? You know, losing is far better character builder than winning. The Lord knew that. The Lord knew that prosperity was a greater danger than poverty. Losing is a better character builder. When your child loses at something, that's a great time to teach them good character. And do you know what? Only one team can win. 
If there's two teams playing, only one of the two can win. If there's eight teams in a conference, only one team can be the winner. If there's 28 teams in the NFL, and I don't know how many there are, thankfully, if there's 28 teams in the NFL, only one can win the Super Bowl. Everyone else has to be a loser. But that's not the most terrible thing in the world, and you need to recognize that. God makes differences. God makes differences in circumstances and ability, and children should submit to that. You know, waiting for a thing strongly desired builds patience. Americans don't wait at all. When they strongly desire something, they will go to any means to have it right now. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul when you have a desire and you work toward it and wait for it when you can afford it. Quitting can never be a part of a child or an adult's vocabulary. Don't let your children quit. Make them finish what they start. And you know what? Life, our whole life, is a long chain of day-after-day routines done well. A successful life is a long chain of day-after-day routines done well. Teach your children to do their day-after-day routines well, because that's going to be their life. Your child does not have the right to be depressed. They do not have the right to be in a bad mood. They do not have a right to be angry. They do not have a right to talk back. They do not have a right to criticize and rail on their brothers or sisters or to be a sore loser or to be an arrogant, haughty winner. All those things can be taught from the very early days with your children. There are three things God wants us to grab a hold of for our children to be great in His sight and the sight of all good men and women. They love God more than anything else. They love others more than they do themselves and their willing servants to help other people. And they rule their spirits. Their spirits do not rule them. They keep their spirits under control so that they are good winners, good losers, good servants. They're not depressed. They don't get angry. They're balanced. They're stable. They're consistent. And they grow in favor with God and men. This is what the Lord's commanded us to do. May the Lord help us do it with our children. And even if they're young, you can teach them to rule their spirits. And all of you that do not have children yet, look forward to it. It's simple. It just takes a little bit of consistent work. May the Lord be praised by the preaching of His Word.